I was able to be more authentic. I was finding myself as a leader. I was getting invited to the C-suite. I was in the CEO's office having a conversation about culture. And Simone, what do you think we should do? And my day job was, I was a project manager, you know, delivering global projects. I was managing cross-functional teams, global teams, but it, it was just a different access it was a different, there was more visibility on what I was doing as a leader. So I think the ERG work really strengthened me as a leader because my audience changed. There was a lot of attention on what I was doing internally as well as externally. So I then began to really invest more in myself and my development because I needed to show up more and be stronger as a leader. It gave me uh, constituents that I had to report to. I had to flex my leadership style depending on who I was talking to. And I, I mean, I was thinking externally as well in terms of press, in terms of organizations that we were working with. It was just a great opportunity. That's Simone Morris, CEO of Simone Morris Enterprises, LLC. Simone is talking about her personal development journey as a leader who emerged through her experience as an employee network leader. Simone is my guest for the first part of this episode of ERG Power Talk on how to leverage employee networks to develop leaders. This is ERG Power Talk, and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors, Atrium Health, Fredert Health and Medical College of Wisconsin, and Mass Mutual. Now, let's go straight to the program. Hi, Simone. Thanks for joining me today. So, Simone, tell me a little bit about yourself and about your book, The Power of Owning Your Career. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast, Joe. I'm a big fan. Well, I am a corporate alumni. I like to say corporate America alumni, where I spent a lot of my career in corporate America, and my background is in information technology, a little bit in retail as well. So I grew up in the tech world uh, when there wasn't a lot of noise around it. I knew I was the only woman, only black woman where I was working, and it, it just it just was, right? Uh, there wasn't a lot of noise. It just was something. So I grew up in that space and uh, left corporate America in 2015 and then started my business uh, for the last four years. And my business is really around two things. One of them is around inclusion. I really am a fan of inclusion. I think there's a lot of focus on diversifying the workplace. I'm about what happens when you get that talent, when you recruit them in, and what happens to the people that are actually there. Are they feeling welcomed? So that is part of the work that I do. The other work that I do is around women's empowerment and career advancement. I have a saying that I like to say, I put women in the driver's seat for their careers, and essentially what that means is that I 
empower women to confidently claim their purpose, passion, and take control of their career. So those are the two things that I work on in my business. And the book stems from my career journey. So it's the power of owning your career. It's moving from a passenger to a driver. And excuse me, and Joe, you're interviewed in the book where I really pick some leaders that I admire, diverse leaders, and I get the different perspectives from them on what it takes to be successful in your career. What is the formula? How do you deal with risk? What is your advice? And they are career stories, and it's just a wonderful compilation of my story plus 14 other diverse leaders. Yeah, I know. You know, I had the, uh, first of all, thank you. I had the honor of being in your book and I actually read the whole thing. I was looking at it again this morning. And as I said to you a while back at one of your workshops, I think it's it should be a must read for just about anybody at any stage of their career because it really is full of a lot of great insights. So let me ask you this then. Thank in you. terms In terms of ERGs, I know that you've had some experience in that area as well, and we're going to talk today a little bit about how these groups can be utilized as a way of developing managerial and leadership skills, which certainly put you on track to having greater ownership over your destiny and your career. But in terms of ERGs, tell me a little bit about your experience with those. I would say that the ERG saved my career. That's how strongly I believe in ERGs. For me, my journey to diversity and inclusion was through an ERG. I first of all got tapped on the shoulder to be in a focus group, and I was asked my thoughts on what it felt like to be in the organization. It was a British firm, and uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation about moving ahead in your career, and do you have to be white and British and do a do a uh, assignment abroad to move ahead. So that was the start of the conversation. The organization then hired a chief diversity officer and I was super excited about that and just paying attention to what was happening. So I remember getting involved through Black History Month and raising my hand to be in charge or on the committee that was doing work for Black History Month. And it was really exciting to see what was happening. And I learned about the culture and just employees were engaged and excited. It was fun. And so I did that. And then I stepped off the committee. And then it came back around where I got involved and I was um, co-chair for African Heritage Employees ERG. And I had these grand ideas and, you know, I had these ideas and I was waiting. I was sharing a lot with the leader, the, the chair. And I think he finally was like, you know what? This is a lot for me. And so there was a shift of ownership and I became the chair. And so I was the chair of this ERG for four years. And one of the memorable moments for me is someone saying to me, Simone, this is not your company. Like, we do not all work for you. <laughs> like, it, it really became like my job. I feel like it was, I was an entrepreneur and it was my, the start to something really big because I had these great ideas with a budget that was greater than $5,000 that was handed to us. And, and it, it just was very exciting for me. 
as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about other people who have gotten involved with ERGs and the experiences they've had. And, and they're pretty similar because you suddenly find yourself being able to exercise all these different skills that you probably don't use in your day job, which brings me to the next question, which is how did having that experience chairing an employee group impact your skills as a manager and as a leader? Well, I think that it allowed me to stand in my truth more so. I was able to be more authentic. I was finding myself as a leader. I was getting invited to the C-suite. I was in the CEO's office having a conversation about culture. And Simone, what do you think we should do? And my day job was... I was a project manager and, you know, delivering global projects and I was managing cross-functional teams, global teams, but it, it was just a different access. It was a different, there was more visibility on what I was doing as a leader. So I think the ERG work really strengthened me as a leader because I really had to button up my chops because my audience changed and it, there were a lot of, there was a lot of attention on what I was doing internally as well as externally. So I then began to really invest more in myself and my development because I needed to show up more and be stronger as a leader. So I would say that it just, it, it, it gave me uh, constituents that I had to report to. I had to flex my leadership style depending on who I was talking to. And I, I mean, I was thinking externally as well in terms of press, in terms of organizations that we were working with. It was just a great opportunity. So you've just started listing out some skills that you developed in that role. What are some other skills that you developed? Well, I, I say that it's strengthening the leadership, how you lead, how you, I would say influence there is greater attention to influence, how you influence others to help you achieve your agenda. So a lot of times as a project manager, you have to influence people who don't work for you. They, they are not your direct reports, but they are on the project with you. But then in the ERG, BRG space, you've got these, vo these volunteers who are not getting paid and they've got other priorities and you've got to influence them to get behind the mission, the vision, and to take action and actually deliver. And there's a tension on that. So I think being able to influence volunteers for success is something that really came from that ERG, BRG space. In fact, that's one of my speaking topics these days is how to influence your volunteers for success. And I think that's, that's definitely from that BRG space. I think externally, I think my focus on the brand, branding, really came about in terms of building the ERG brand. You know, when I stepped into it, the brand wasn't as strong as I would like it to be. So I did a lot of work on building the brand. I did logos. I did uh, an intranet site on communications for the brand. I was doing things for us to show up externally, getting people involved, whether it was media or uh, different leaders to participate and just a lot around building that brand so that it was a memorable brand in the organization. So personal branding became very important to me. And then I noted when I left the organization, personal branding was still important to me because I had to leverage those skills and build the Simone Morris brand outside of the organization. Yeah, those are excellent points. 
Clearly, however, not everybody gets as much out of the experience of leading one of these employee groups. What would you advise that a group leader do in order to get some of those benefits out of being a group leader? I think it's like anything. What you put into it is what you get out of it. I saw it as a huge opportunity to influence culture. I, For me, it became my mission to make the ERG known more than for the Heritage Month. You know, I, I hated that people thought this ERG was a social ERG and just showing up for uh, black heritage opportunities. And so for me, there was really a lot of focus on defining the strategy with these three different pillars and one focused on professional development, recruitment and retention, promotion, paying some attention to that, and commercial outreach and putting people in place. So I really saw the opportunity to demonstrate my leadership to be impactful in creating career change to walk the talk. So I think you have to, if you don't want to do it, don't do it just to say yes because somebody asked you because that shows. When I did it, it was because I wanted to and I was ready for it. And then there came a point that where I was enjoying that work more than my day job because I was getting so fulfilled from it. I was having conversations where people felt safe to come and talk to me about what was happening in the organization. And I felt a responsibility when I heard that, do some coaching. Plus, what can I do about that? Can I show attention to people are not getting promoted fairly? Is there a conversation that needs to happen? What about recruiting? And so it just was an opportunity for me to really sink my teeth into a project that felt like it fulfilled me and that it was making a difference culturally. So it just, you, if you are just doing it just to check a box because your boss thought you would be good for it or someone tapped you on the shoulder and put you into the role, if you're not feeling it, if you're not passionate about it, don't do it. Let someone else have the opportunity to, to demonstrate their leadership, to you know, showcase the passion, because I think the passion goes a long way. That's great advice. What about on the other end, the organizations? I mean, I know that organizations today need to build leaders at every level of the organization. So how can they use employee group leadership as a way of developing those leaders that they need at every level of the organization? Yeah, I think the organization can use the BR, excuse me, the BRG, ERG as a sort of um, a think tank or an opportunity to test out someone's chops in terms of leadership. I think there's a lot of focus on we've identified our high-performing folks and, you know, let's give them these opportunities. However, there are people in the organization and whether they don't show up right, they don't interview right, or there's something about them that if given the right opportunity to showcase themselves and show what they can do, they will soar with the right mentorship and sponsorship. So I've always felt that organizations can do a better job of taking risk on talent and where to look for that talent is in the BRG space. Show up and see who's that shining star. It may not even be the BRG leader. It may be some committee leader who you just walk in as a senior leader and you observe and you see what's going on and there is something about this person and let's give this person an opportunity 
So whether it's they get to be put on a project, they get some mentoring, and I'm big on sponsorship. I think um, sponsorship is key to success. And I, I know personally, sponsorship came for me out of the BRG space. Through the executive sponsor on the ERG that I was leading, took an interest in me as a person and created safe space for me to be authentic with what was happening in my career and said, how can I help you? And by golly, it was such an opportunity that I had been waiting for, which seems like my whole life or my whole career at this company, that I, I almost didn't know what to say because I, here's this senior person saying, how can I help you? What do you need? And then when I told him, he went ahead and did it. And so I, it, it um, recommitted me to the organization in terms of trust, that I could trust that somebody had my best interest at heart. And so I think there's a lot of people in organizations and they're just there, just doing their job. And they just need somebody to, to take an interest in them and, and take a risk and, uh, you know, and share that success story. So others can see that, hey, this organization is really going to step out on a limb and give someone a chance who is not in that high-performing box according to subjective or whatever, you know, data they've used. They, for some reason, haven't fallen into this nine box or whatever. And, and so I think that's an opportunity for the organization to just really look at the ERG for ideas and not just because it's what they're supposed to do, but to generally take an interest in the people that make up the ERG, look there for talent that can be leveraged and find your leaders there. Yeah, Even I agree. Even if it's on a trial basis, like give someone like, I'll give you 60 days to show me something. And, and if you if you took the risk and you're wrong, then you, you know, you're not committed, but at least you, you tried. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I recall from my own days in corporate America how organizations sometimes spent, you know, quite a lot of money putting together business improvement projects that they could use to test out and develop new leaders. And yet BRGs and ERGs are somewhat of a business improvement project. It is something that is dedicated to making the organization a better place. And you've got all these people that are already there who, in addition to the job they're already doing, put their hand up. And I consider just putting your hand up as showing that you're a diamond in the rough. You're somebody who maybe you don't have the polish yet or all the skills, but you certainly have the passion. And if you're given the opportunity and given all those other resources and that opportunity to run with it, as it were, can really develop into quite a strong leader. So uh, I, I think that there's a, a lot of value to that and to a lot of the things that you said right now about giving those opportunities and having people develop. As you were talking about sponsors, something I recalled reading recently is how organizations need more people to sponsor different things. And by that, what I mean is, you know, you were a project manager, so you know that projects have project sponsors. Uh, there are different types of sponsors for different initiatives and organizations. In any event, this article went on to talk about how a lot of executives, while they may be really good at managing and leading a particular silo or function that they run, may not actually be good sponsors. So they may not know the difference between being a sponsor versus being a leader of a group where they have some direct control. What, what are your thoughts about the role of the executive sponsor in a BRG or ERG as being an opportunity 
for someone who's a little more senior to continue to sharpen their skills now in this new area of sponsorship? I think there's a huge opportunity to learn culturally and to uh, even people skills. You know, the people that work for you may feel an allegiance or whatever, and they're showing up a different way because they work for you. The people in the ERG do not work for you, so it's an opportunity for you to meet different people and continue to build your people skills and to, again, learn to be uh, appreciative of different perspectives, learn about a culture, uh, provide the opportunity to learn about true sponsorship, right? Because you've got to take a risk, take a bet on someone. You have to trust that the knowledge that you're gaining and this person that you decide you want to sponsor is worth the effort and you may not have a lot of time to do that. So when you were talking, Joe, I was thinking about parenting and how you know, you, you get the role and you may not know how to be the parent, but you have to learn. And so I kind of think with the sponsor, you have to learn how to be a good sponsor. And the person that is uh, looking to you to be their sponsor, they're going to teach you. So it's not just about you teaching them polish and access and those things. They're going to be teaching you the reverse mentoring thing too. I remember with my executive sponsor, um, he would ask me questions and he, you know, he told me about, I think he told me that he liked Nelly and I was like, what? You know, I, I, because we created like this safe space and trust and he could show up authentically and say, what's this about Simone? And I could be like, well, this is about that. I could be myself without judgment and something was going to happen to my career and then vice versa. He'll, he would give me some coaching on, well, when you were in this scenario, was there a different way that you could have approached it? And he was so gentle with coaching me when I know that I just showed up too authentically in a situation that I was super passionate about. He would coach me on that. So it was what I really love about this memorable relationship is that it was a win-win. I was pouring into him and he was pouring into me. So I think it's not just about the sponsor. Oh, I show up and I do this good deal. You get an opportunity to benefit as well as the sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. So how important would you say leveraging these employee groups properly is to the success of an organization? I would say it's just so vital. I mean, you want to have happy, engaged employees. And this think tank with the different slices of diversity in the organization is an opportunity for you to test things out. If, listen, if your engagement surveys are saying X is going on and you want to find out more what's going on with that population, why not give that information to the ERG to jump on that and to really give you some concrete ideas on things that the organization can implement to be successful or to address these issues. Sometimes that doesn't happen. You know, you get the surveys and it's anonymous and there's some lack of trust around whether it's really anonymous and I can be truthful. But if you leverage the ERG space and you create that trusting environment and say, hey, this issue happened or, you know, we've heard this feedback. What are your thoughts? How do we fix it? And then you actually listen. You put res you put resources against it, and you track it, and you report out on it. I think it builds trust with the employees. It makes them happy. And just imagine if you're doing that with different pockets 
needs of the organization, whether it's the women's group, LGBT, Hispanic, whatever, you know, you're doing that and you're getting fed in. And a lot of ERGs are leveraged for commercial ideas, which I love. I think it was MasterCard's Hispanic uh, ERG who came up with a credit card and just, you know, demonstrated additional value to the business. So I think there are these huge opportunities where you've got these passionate people who represent your company who not only can help you internally, they can help you externally as well. And it, it's an opportunity for uh, talent development, leaders. Definitely, I would say, look there. Don't overlook that space when you're looking for leaders to do things. See what's happening and take a risk take a risk on someone because if it doesn't work out, you just change it, but at least allow the opportunity to take a risk on these leaders. Yeah, absolutely. So Simone, if I came to you and I was a senior business leader and I said to you, you know, I'm looking for leaders. I need leaders in this organization. What would you advise me to do? I would first ask you, have you looked at your ERGs and who's showing up in that space? Do you have some um, visibility to the leaders in that group and what they are able to demonstrate across the board? Let's say that, uh, you know, give me two people from each ERG and tell me what they're about. And then perhaps I'm going to have a lunch with them or, um, you know, I, I think lunch or a meeting with them to have a conversation. Listen, the organization needs more leaders. We are committed to diversity and inclusion. The first place we want to look is at the ERGs and the opportunity that they bring to the table. You know, tell me about your ERG. So it's an opportunity for the leader to learn about these different ERGs, to see the talent and how they are showing up. And and guaranteed there are people who are going to bubble to the top from that conversation. You know, let's say you had five ERGs and there's 10 people in the room and you're having the conversation, you are going to see naturally the people who shine that are showing up and communicating and, ah, this person, and maybe they weren't on your radar before and it didn't really cost you any money. I mean, <laughs> perhaps lunch, you know, and uh, something else is recognition, but I think that's an opportunity to look at talent inexpensively, just having the conversation and letting the ERGs know, hey, we're on the lookout for talent. And I know some organizations, they reward uh, ERG leaders. I know um, diversity best practices, they do the NALC um, network, the above and beyond leadership award that I got a number of years ago. And I think that's how I met you. Um, it recognizes ERG leadership. So, you know, someone being recognized for that is a, is a signal to you that, hey, someone externally is recognizing my internal talent. What am I doing with this talent? Where do they show up? What can I do to push them up in the organization in terms of opportunities? Yep, absolutely. Well said. It makes sense to look in your own backyard for those diamonds in the rough before you go out looking for leaders outside your organization, doesn't it? So let me ask you a final question. Where can people learn more about you and where can they get a copy of your book? Awesome. Well, they certainly can learn about me on simonemorris.com. I would love to have conversations with any of your listeners so they can reach me at callwithsimone.com. But in terms of the book, 
you can get the book on Amazon. I think that's the easiest way to get it. If you would love for me to autograph it, you can get it on the SimoneMorris.com site. That's fantastic. Simone, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing what I think uh, others will find really inspiring and instructive. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. I, I so appreciate the ERG journey and how game-changing it has been for me in my career. So let's take a pause here and consider what we've discussed. I think the big message here from Simone is this. Any employee in a company that has employee networks can take the initiative to leverage one of those networks to drive value to the company, their community, and to propel their career. Coming up, our panel is going to dig deeper into this topic and also talk about what some leading organizations are already doing right now. That and more is coming up when we return, but first, this. ERG Power Talk is made possible through the support and sponsorship of Atrium Health, Freudert Health and Medical College of Wisconsin, and Mass Mutual. These are companies that are leading the advancement of ERG practices way beyond the confines of their organizations. Thank you. Now back to our podcast. Welcome back. Let's meet our panel. From LPL Financial in Charlotte, North Carolina, we have Theo Bowling, Assistant Vice President of Leadership and Diversity and Inclusion. We also have David Casey, a well-known speaker and senior executive in the diversity and inclusion space located in Providence, Rhode Island, whose background includes senior DNI positions at Anthem and CVS Health. And we have Tracy Taylor, Assistant Vice President, Primary Care Division at Atrium Health in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thank you for joining me today. So, Theo, my first question is for you. What's your experience in leveraging ERGs and BRGs to develop leaders? So, some context. For the last three years, uh, we have actually been working with our ERG program. We're only mm, for about four and a half years old. So, we're not, we're not that old as far as launched in our program. Um, but when we first started about three years ago, we had about 40 or so leaders uh, by coastal. We have an office in San Diego, Boston, and Fort Mill, South Carolina. And so had about 40 or so leaders overall. Uh, we have about 10 unique ERGs with 16 chapters across the country. And so uh, a lot of my focus has been, how do I take those leaders um, and kind of where they are now and then really take the same experience a leader would have in the business and kind of correlate and mirror those together. And so to give you an example, some of the things that I do to really help develop them is we focus on planning, strategy, we talk about budgeting, succession planning, team development, and then also presentations. And so I take what you as a manager or someone uh, with a leader within the business would do normally for their teams, and then we take those aspects and we apply it to the ERG chairs within their ERGs to say, okay, just like you would do in the business, I want you to do the same thing within your ERG. And so now all of a sudden they have a safe place to practice those specific skills that gives them experiential development to then say, okay, I've done this before. I've budgeted. I've had to own my budget. Wow, Theo's asking me to find the next person to replace me after my two-year term. Um, and then also I know how to work with other leaders. And, and I think creating that dynamic has really created a strong leadership development pipeline where we went from 40 about – three years ago to we're about 60 plus now, 60 plus leaders across the, across the company. And so um, I think one of the key pieces though that I use to develop the most is strength finders. That has been probably the, the strongest tie to development uh, than anything else that we've uh, really implemented within this program. 
And so I've actually created a, a coaching program that started three years ago where we have all of our ERG leaders go through the coaching program of Strength Finders. So they take an assessment. We then pair them with a leader in the business to help coach them to their strengths. And then all of a sudden, they leverage those strengths not only within the ERG, but they also leverage it within their day-to-day -day job. And all of a sudden, they have this confidence, this empowerment, this kind of understanding of how to leverage a true God-given talent in the world that they're in within the, uh, the business and then also within their ERG community itself. And so uh, it's really been extremely positive. Uh, we continue to grow. And just to even give you an aspect of that, I think we had about 900 or so members three years ago, and we're at about 1,500 now. Wow. So it, it, yeah, it's, been a, it's been a fantastic ride. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you literally are treating this group of people in the way that some organizations only treat people that they consider high potentials. David, same question for you. So, yeah, Joe, as I think about leadership development and, and resource groups, one of the ways in my experience that we've, we've uh, tried to go at that is how we structure the groups. So each of the group would have an executive sponsor, which is the, the CEO, uh, one of the direct reports to the CEO, or um, definitely nobody more than two, two direct reports to the CEO can serve as executive sponsors. So we start with, you know, aligning each group to our senior most level leadership to make sure that they're getting access to the, the colleagues in these, in these resource groups, right? And vice versa, that the colleagues in these resource groups are getting access to the senior most levels of up talent. So below the executive sponsor sit the co-chairs. And um, in, the, in, my, in my current employer, we, we have about 15 resource groups and about 23,000 individual colleagues who are participating but a total membership of over 40,000 because most of them are members of more than one group. So given that the size and the scale and the complexity of that, I actually uh, have two full-time uh, colleagues who lead, who manage that program. That's about 80% of their job is just managing, you know, 20,000 colleagues who are volunteering to be a part of that. So um, we have co-chairs. We have two national co-chairs underneath the executive sponsors. And a couple of years ago, we made the decision to, put a uh, level requirement uh, for the co-chair role. It didn't necessarily feel that good because prior to that, anybody could be a co-chair. But what we found was there were some decisions that had to be made at that level. There were resources that had to be accessed at that level. And if you had somebody in a lower level in an individual contributor role, they weren't able to make decisions about booking conference rooms and getting outside speakers and all that. So for us, it became so big and complex that we actually had to put some structure. And so you have to be a director or above to be a, a national co-chair. And um, we literally uh, placed the positions on our internal talent acquisition system. So you have to apply for the role. So uh, you, when you apply for the role, the executive sponsors see the applications, the corporate diversity team see the application, then they, you literally would go through an interview and we bump that interview up against our leadership competency. So we have a set of competencies that we expect individuals to have when they move into the role. And then we've also worked with talent management to bump that up against a set of competencies we expect that they will gain having been in the role for a two-year period. That's pretty structured. I think that's probably one of the most structured uh, approaches that I've heard. And I've talked to a lot of people about this, but that, that's great. I think that structure reflects the seriousness with which you view that role. Uh, Tracy, I want to bring you into the conversation now. Your thoughts. So with our organization, 
hours, I'm, you know, hearing, hearing the other gentlemen and they're talking about, you know, nationwide, well, we're a little bit more local, um, even though we have a large organization with over 60,000 teammates, we have multiple SRGs that have the opportunity to touch different people's interests. We have people who are young professionals. We have uh, people who have um, uh, the LGBTQ community, just our Women's Executive Leadership Group, which again, I'm representing today. And so specifically with that, that organization, the well can consist of women leaders who are assistant vice president level and above. With our mentoring program, it's called Empowers, Mentoring Program for Women on the Road to Success. We have representatives from that WELG group that are then serving as mentors for individuals who are manager or director level who are looking to continue to grow. This program was developed 15 years ago by three women leaders in our organization that identified that there was a gap in our women leadership and the opportunity for women to grow within our organization. And so, you know, sometimes it's all in who you know, but making those connections and being able to have a seat at the table and own that seat and showing people how to do that. So that was identified as an opportunity and a need. And so um, every year it's a nine month program and we work with 20 formal mentors and 20 formal mentees in a pairing. And we have monthly gatherings that are facilitated by the board. And then it's up to the mentee, it's a mentee-led event. It's up to the mentee to be able to connect with that mentor, whether it's every week, every couple of weeks, whatever that may look like for them so that they can get the most out of their program. Once the mentees matriculate through the nine-month program of Empowers, then they are then alumni of the Empowers group. And there is a subset of that called pay it forward. So people who were mentees then have an opportunity to be mentors to individuals who are not in manager roles. They may be frontline teammates that aspire to be leaders. They may be supervisors that are not yet ready to be in the formal program, but still need an opportunity to have a mentor, to develop some leadership skills, to know how to ask to be in the room, to know how to communicate at different levels. Some people want to just know about work-life balance. I think that in every interview, and there, there is an interview process to become a mentee, you have to um, actually apply, you have to have references, and then you have an interview. And typically every year we have at least 40 individuals who apply and we narrow that selection down to 20 because we want to make sure that it's valuable. And when you get too many people in the room, then it doesn't make it as successful. People don't necessarily get what they need. But it's been well received over the past 15 years. That's pretty interesting. And that program you're saying is run by that employee group, correct? It is. It's, it, we, our executive sponsor is the head, Dr. Mary Hall. She is the leader for our Women's Executive Leadership Group. That's excellent. So I'm going to stay with you right now, Tracy. And my other question for you is, what do you advise that other organizations do in order to make fuller use of their employee groups the way you guys are doing? Being open, knowing that there are going to be people that are interested in participating and identifying who can participate. And for those we identified the space where, okay, well, you may not be ready for this formal group because of what your level of responsibility is, but hey, we can do something different to still be able to support this area, to support this idea. So being able to incorporate and capture the interest and the needs, it's also a, an, about teammate engagement. You know, you're able to feed the needs of your team. And so to be open 
to be aware of what the needs are of your team and to try and identify how you can meet those needs. Great points. Thank you for that, Tracy. David, you know, same question, but I'm going to add a little twist to it, which is, so if you're an organization and you haven't got these sophisticated structures in place yet, uh, what do you advise that organization to do to move toward that level where they're using it the way the three of you just discussed a little while ago? Yeah, so if an organization is not that far along in their resource group model, I would suggest, you know, just really ensuring that you have a whatever your corporate diversity strategy is, your enterprise level strategy is, I would ensure that your groups align to that, but give them some flexibility so that they can modify uh, the, the, the plan to, to meet their needs. So for example, you know, every group in uh, my current employer has to put together an annual business plan that they submit to the corporate team, right? So at the enterprise level, we have four high level objectives. One is to have a workforce that looks like the people we serve. You know, we're an international company, so that's a pretty broad aspiration, right? The second is to ensure that we have an inclusive culture where everybody can bring 100% of who they are to work every day and, and find a way to get engaged in the process. The third objective is uh, that everybody has equitable access to growth and development. And the fourth objective is to make sure that we can meet the needs uh, of, of all of our external constituents, whether it's customers, uh, suppliers, legislators, regulators, clients, so forth. So we have those high-level enterprise objectives. So each group then can come in and fill in and say, okay, here's what we can do to help support those objectives. So for example, the Black Colleague Resource Group may say that we're going to participate in National Urban League job fairs. Uh, the Women's Group may say that we're going to participate in Women in Technology. So we, we give them the corporate, I would say whether you're big, small, new, been doing this for a decade, you know, whatever your corporate strategy is, you know, give your resource groups that framework, but then allow them some flexibility to fill in uh, the gaps based on what their affinity or focus is. Yeah, great points, great points. And uh, Theo, do you want to add a little bit to that as well? Yeah, no, I, I think all those, those are great because uh, we do something similar where we have the CEO agenda and kind of the strategy. And so we take the talent part of the strategy and say, okay, how do the ERGs really help promote uh, and move us along within that part? Um, I, I will say this, and this is kind of, um, this comes from a book called Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. Not sure if you heard about this, but she kind of, she kind of calls it genius watching where uh, we talk about the whole talent. And so how do you identify it? How do you test it? And how do you work it? And I think part of what, uh, what I'd say for these groups is, how do we make sure we put these uh, ERG leadership teams, employees in general, in a place where it can service our talent um, so other leaders are able to see it? And, and I think that's one of the biggest things is as we look for talent, there is an absolute war for talent. When you look at the Charlotte uh, area, there are banks, uh, financial institutions everywhere, right? Everywhere. And so you're really competitive in that space. And so our big thing is how do you retain the talent and how do you develop the talent and how do you attract the talent? And so for ERG groups, we're doing that with partnerships. That's partnership with talent acquisitions, that partnership with uh, learning and development, and that's partnership with the executive leaders. And so what we do is we give the experiences uh, in partnership with business impact opportunities to say, hey, now that you're experiencing this particular ERG leader, you get a chance to see their skills, you get a chance to see their talent, um, and then all of a sudden it becomes, oh, not just another employee or someone who serves under the ERG, becomes here's someone who's extremely talented in this space. 
uh, and we want to leverage that in a different way. Or maybe we couldn't see it before, but now we do. And so we try to give those opportunities to not only, you know, starting with our leaders, but as we continue to see members and when they participate in the activities or events, uh, we make that come to life as well. So all that is done to help support the CEO agenda when it comes to talent, retention, development, and uh, attracting it. That sounds great. And let me ask you again, could you repeat the name of that book again? I think some of the listeners might be interested in uh, looking up a copy of it. Yeah, it's called Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. And uh, she just kind of talks about the multiplying effect of how do you actually really kind of pull out the genius or the talent and people. And so that's just kind of one of the foundational things that we use when we're looking at how do we continue to spot the genius of our employees so that way we put them in a place so they can showcase it. Got it. That's great. So, David, I'm going to jump back to you real quick and bring up another aspect of this. So, so far we've been talking about what organizations do and we've outlined some interesting things that your organizations do in terms of making opportunities available for development for people who are members of ERGs and leaders of ERGs. But what about those members and leaders? What can they do to get more out of their employee group membership? Yeah, that's a good question, Joe. So, so one, we, we do push a level of development out to the CRGs, right? So there, there is a curriculum. Um, I think last year uh, that we had 17 courses that were made available to resource group members over a seven-month period, mostly in the way of webinars, but also through lunch and learns and that kind of thing. So there is some element of development that gets pushed out to CRG members. But I would say as a member – as a resource group member yourself, if you want to get the most out of the experience, you have to get involved. You know, we, we define membership in a resource group. It's a pretty wide spectrum. Membership can be anything from, hey, put me on your communications list. I want to see the newsletter. Um, you know, occasionally if you have a volunteer activity in the community, I'll raise my hand and get involved. All the way up to, I want to serve as a committee chair or I want to serve as a national co-chair. Uh, whatever you have the capacity to get involved with, get involved. You know, whenever a colleague or an employee would come to me and say, I think we should be doing X in our diversity strategy, or I'm, I'm disappointed we're not doing Y in our diversity strategy, my response would always be, well, what are you doing to, to engage in the process, and how are you getting involved to help drive it forward? So I would say the best way to get the most, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. I think it's like any other experience or any other exposure you're going to get in an organization, you will get the return out of it if you invest time and put into it. Yeah, that's true of just about everything, as you said, right? So that's great, David. And Tracy, what is your advice to people who want to get the most out of either being a BRG leader or a BRG member? So I totally agree with what David said as far as what you put into it is what you get out of it. For those who want to be members, then they have to make sure that they know. It's not just, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to apply and be a part of this, and oh, then I'm going to get a promotion. It's not about that. It is, hey, I'm going to do everything that I can to grow personally and professionally. And oh, by the way, if a promotion comes, then that's great. But if not, how can I feed myself? How can I grow and learn and put myself in situations that I could just do better in my current role and be prepared for something when it comes available later down the road or tomorrow, whatever that may look like. So that's about the participant. 
for the individuals who want to leave that, they have to have a passion for it. It can't just be that that's something that they want to put on their resume. They have to want to grow people. They have to want to think about succession planning for the organization. Who are the leaders that are coming behind us? What do we want our organization to look like? So keeping that in mind and, and wanting to be able to build people up and not being afraid that, oh, but if I build them up, they're going to take my job. How can I make my team better so that they can take on my position? I want to be able to take vacation. So I want these people to be prepared. So I don't want to have to worry about, oh my gosh, you know, they can't survive without me. So but keeping that in mind and being able to grow your people and being confident being able Yep, that's a great point. In fact, I often have heard that unless you get a successor, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's true of just about everything in life. So Theo, what are your thoughts on the initiative required on the part of members and leaders who want to get more out of their employee group activities? Yeah, so no, I love the question. Uh, and I just kind of speak out of uh, my experience from I was an ERG leader. Uh, at some point in my career, and then also now run the ERG program. So speaking from that, and really speaking specifically to the to the ERG leaders, a, a couple of different things I, I would say that uh, to really focus on, or maybe get out of it is um, so practice setting a clear vision and mission. I, when you have the ability to articulate and convey a clear vision and mission of where you're going, all of a sudden people start to follow you. They start to be saying, "I know where we're going. I know what we want to do with that." Understand a legacy mindset. This is not something that you're just doing for one year or two years. You are creating a footprint for other people to follow and that will be impacted for years to come. And so have that legacy mindset. Um, then I would say practice, practice, practice. Practice and define your leadership style. This is an amazing opportunity and within a safe, uh, safe space to practice your leadership style. It, it's amazing what happens when all of a sudden you start to see yourself come to life and those different things whether it be the, the strengths in it or sometimes even the gaps in it, when you go through being an ERG leader uh, within this space, uh, you really get a chance to practice and define what those things are. Um, and then I think maybe this was said a bit earlier, but you cannot be understated about building relationships and a network. I believe wholeheartedly that when you're part of this type of ERG or BRG communities, you have access to leaders that you normally would not have had in your day-to-day. And so you want to build those relationships. You want to be strategic in how you build those. Um, it's not just for getting something done, but it really is how you continue to understand the organization, how do you navigate the organization, and really how do you continue to use it to, to grow your community for those beyond yourself. So those are some specific things I would say. Yeah, those are all great ideas. Tracy, it looks like you have something you want to add to this. Yes, so I want to say with with what Theo said as far as getting to meet leaders that you haven't met, there is a difference between mentorship and sponsorship. And so when you're mentoring, you're growing someone. And when you're sponsoring somebody, you are thinking about that person and putting their name out there at these tables when they're not around. And so having those connections, if you've been mentored and you've been brought in and you get to meet these leaders, then when somebody is sponsoring you and they say, oh, yeah, well, Tracy Taylor, then you've met that person during the mentoring process. However, then you're being sponsored and you're ready to go. It is being managed up and having opportunities, which feed back into the other things that we were talking about with regards to succession planning and supporting your team for growth. Great point. David, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, to kind of build upon what Tracy and uh, Theo said as well, another aspect of you get out of it what you put into it are the uh, cross-functional relationships you can build. You know, I've had people tell me that 
I've met more people in six months in participating in a cross-company resource group. It probably would have taken me three years to get to understand where all these people were in the organization and who I needed to connect with on different things. So I think taking advantage to network and leverage, even if it's peer-to-peer, cross-functionally in these groups is also a significant benefit. Yeah, great point. You know, Tracy brought up the topic of sponsorship. And one of the things that I've always found is that when you're asking someone to sponsor you, you're actually asking them to put their social capital down on the line, right? Because if I turn around and I say, I think this person is great, if they're not great, it's going to have some blowback on me, right? So before you get a sponsor, you need to build trust. What are some of the ways that people who belong to employee groups as either members or leaders can build that trust? Yes, a great question. Uh, And it's very true. I always tell people you have to earn the right to be sponsored. You know, not everyone's just going to sponsor you because you think they should. And quite frankly, uh, uh, just because they've mentored you doesn't mean that you earn the right to be sponsored because the two are two two very different things. I would say as a leader, if you want to build that level of trust with someone and really have them get to understand that you are sponsoring them. Uh, I I believe in a three-step process of building trust. One, I'm going to tell you why you should trust me. Two, I'm going to show you why you should trust me by being consistent in in doing what I say I'm going to do. And then third, I'm going to advocate for you on your behalf. So as a leader, that's that's how I would seek to instill trust with someone who is putting faith in me that I am going to sponsor them and represent them appropriately across the organization. If I'm someone who's being sponsored by a leader or someone who's seeking that sponsorship, again, I take the same three-step approach. You know, let me tell you why you should be comfortable sponsoring me, but then that needs to evolve to let me show you and let me demonstrate to you that I am consistent in what I deliver to the organization. I do what I say I'm going to do or even I even exceed what I say I'm going to do. And then third, how can I make you look good as a leader? That's what I tell people all the time. One of the best things you can do in engaging leadership is make them look good, make their jobs easier, you know, give them back time. Time is one of our most precious assets. So if you can do things to take off of, if you can do things that will take time off of that leader's calendar and schedule, then you're going to build trust. So I think there's two ways to think about it, both from the person sponsoring and the person seeking sponsorship. But I try to be very clear that if you want somebody to sponsor you, you've got to earn that. Those are great points. Theo, I'm going to bring you back in again, because one of the things that David said, I'd love for you to build on it a little bit, which is this whole thing of demonstrating that you can trust me, demonstrating that I'm worthy of that sponsorship. I would think that being an employee group leader or member gives you a big platform to do that across an organization. Yeah, I love the fact about sponsorship because there is a huge difference between the two but you're right. I, I, one of the things that we push um, really, really, really hard on a company is um, the whole sponsorship piece, right? Um, part of being a leader in this space is giving you the platform, right, to say yes or to lead with a yes. And what I mean by that is when you have senior leaders or influential leaders that are you're either working with or that you're doing something for, um, when you lead with a yes, that is a powerful activator to how really kind of open the door to showing up. And so when a leader says, hey, you know, I need some help with X, Y, Z, or maybe there's a gap, or maybe there's a need within their team, organization, et cetera, at that moment, you as a BRG or ERG leader, if you hesitate and you say, well, maybe I'm busy, there is none of that, right? There is, you lead with a yes. <laughs> you lead with a yes, because automatically, right, uh, David said, 
that uh, you kind of you have their back, right? I'm willing to do whatever it takes to put my talent, my time, my energy, my efforts to making sure that you look good. And so I think part of it is when you are approaching activities, events, opportunities as a leader, ERG, BRG leader, you want to be very, very intentional, right? Extremely intentional about how you show up, how you communicate and involve that particular potential sponsor or leader. And then to be quite honest, you do want to be ready. You want to show up in a way that that leader says, I want more. And so um, I tell our leaders as they prepare to, to do a panel discussion or they prepare to do some type of event or they prepare to do any type of activity, if there's a leader that you are looking at, you're saying, hey, I want that person, pull them in. Don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. You showcase the value that you are willing to give to that particular leader so that way they have complete access. And I'm telling you, that builds trust because that leader says that person is willing and ready to give what it takes, right? In exchange, because this, this is a relationship, there's an exchange here where that person says, I'm willing to give my time, effort, energy, talent for you, to you, um, in exchange, right, for, in, in so many cases, putting my jersey on you so I can advocate for your career. And so I think these, this activity, this platform is a great catalyst to build that trust and to show up where that leader says, yes, I can trust this person and vice versa, I can trust you. So I think uh, that, that's a great way to do it. Yeah. So, so far we've gone through a lot of different things that BRGs and ERGs can do for their members and for their leaders in terms of giving them those opportunities to develop as leaders for the organization. What I'd love to do now is call on each of you to summarize just a few of the benefits that people can get by being leaders or participating as members in these employee groups. So Tracy, I'm going to begin with you on this one. So I would think investing your time, being consistent, doing what it is that you say that you're going to do. If you have to change, if you're going to meet with your mentor, if you're going to meet with a a part of the team, part of that ERG, then do what you say that you're going to do. Lead by example. Always be prepared. I, I like what Theo said, say yes. But don't overcommit because if you're going to put yourself in a situation where you are going to not be able to deliver at your highest level, it's going to make you look bad and make your leader look bad. You don't want to do that, but be realistic and know your context, know your connections. If it's something that you feel like, okay, well, ah, it's going to be a little challenging, then be able to bring other people in because the person that would sponsor you, the person that you're trying to lead, others looking at you as the leader of that ERG, then they're going to say, okay, well, she knows how to use her team and it's not, or his team, and it's not just all about them. They know how to use their resources, which is a semblance of a good leader. Thank you, Tracy. David? Yeah, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a, a phrase or, or a couple of words that Theo used earlier when he talked about resource groups being a safe space. I think that's very true because in most cases, probably 99.3% of the time, being in the CRG and especially being a leader, it's not your day job. So I think the company recognizes that you have stepped up to say, I'm willing to stretch myself. I'm willing to put myself out there and take on something that's not in my quote-unquote day job for the benefit of myself and the organization. So that resource groups are one of the safest spaces where you can practice your leadership skills, you can try new things, you can figure out how to manage in a matrix environment. More times than not, the resources you have in that group are not yours. You know, so you're managing resources that belong to other parts of the organization. So, you know, I would say take advantage of this opportunity, you don't get many opportunities in your day job to experiment and innovate 
at the level that you'll be able to in a resource group because people know you've already stepped up to say, I want more. You know, I want to stretch myself. Every organization I can think of in today's environment is looking for somebody who's willing to stretch themselves, take on more and do more. So resource groups are a perfect uh, channel and venue to do that. That's great. Thank you, David. And Theo. So I think the only piece I would add here is being authentic with your professionalism and how you show up. And I think, you know, whether it's with leaders, potential mentors, sponsors, your ERD teams, et cetera, there's something about when you can lead with authenticity. And so when you do, but you're able to do it in a way that people experience who you are, people want to work with you. Right? You're not 100%, you know, corporate where, you know, you never mess up or, not, you know, that never happens. And just to give a real quick example, um, and I'll share this uh, personally, uh, a few years ago, I think it was 2015, when I was a leader for the African American ERG, we had some shootings in, in Charlotte. And so it impacted the African American groups tremendously, right? We're here in the South. And so uh, immediately we had one of our senior leaders kind of do a quick blog to kind of address the tension that was happening among the employee base. And then I was kind of called out as, all right, and Theo, we'll do something, <laughs> right? And it put me in a space where you, I had to come across not as, well, hey guys, here's what we're gonna, you know, this happened. And it came across as showing up my humanity in an authentic way, but was still professional. And it, it allowed people to see and still focus on what mattered, but still in a way show who you are and what mattered to you as a human being. And I think that really kind of, people then kind of recognize, wow, man, I, I want to work with that person. Leader said, I, I, that's what I want. That, that's what I want to see more of. How can we get more of that? How can we get more of the leaders to respond and react in, in, in those different ways? And so I would just say um, just really balancing those two things has, has been something that, uh, um, that kind of showcases all that. So. That's great. And thank you for sharing that. And on that note, we're going to end. I want to thank Theo, David, and Tracy for being my guests today. I think we've had a conversation that's going to inspire some thinking about how you can get more out of being a BRG leader or ERG leader or an ERG BRG member. So again, thank you all for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. So here's what I got out of this discussion. There is a lot that organizations can easily and inexpensively do to turn their employee networks into leadership development engines. Even if you're just starting an employee network, there are some simple things that you can do to lay the foundation for turning it into a leadership incubator. The most basic first step is to look for ways to let your employee group members and leaders showcase their talents to senior leaders. On the other hand, there are some steps that employee network members and leaders need to take to get the most out of these incubators. For example, volunteer for assignments that stretch you, intentionally expand your network, Take steps to build trust and finally let your authentic self shine through. Thank you for tuning in to ERG Power Talk. If you enjoyed and got value out of this program, please like us and leave a favorable review at your podcast provider's site. Also, invite others to listen to the show. I'm Joe Santana, and thanks again for tuning in. 